by now. It goes without saying that most consider Michael Jordan the greatest of all time, at least when it comes to basketball. However, it also goes without saying that Jordan's greatness transcends basketball. He was and continues to be a cultural force of nature across the globe. If you had to pick someone's face in an encyclopedia to represent the 1990s, you could make a strong case for MJ's face. His iconic status is the result of a perfectly timed confluence of his otherworldly, never-before-seen playing style. The rise of hip-hop culture, his Air Jordan sneaker line, evolution of the NBA, a bit of luck, and a number of other factors. Now, this episode is not about MJ or Jordan sneakers, but the rise of his sneaker line in the late 80s through the 90s bears mentioning because it informs what this episode is about. True, Jordan was not the first athlete, or NBA player for that matter, to get his own signature sneaker. Prior to the 1984 release of the Air Jordan 1, there was a slew of other pro hoops players that struck deals with sneaker companies to create a signature line. Bob Cousy with the PF Flyers in 1958, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's Adidas Jabbar in 1971, Clyde Frazier's Puma Clydes from 1973. Pony created signature sneakers in the 1970s for Bob McAdoo. John Havlasek and MJ's hero and inspiration, David Thompson. But no sneaker line has ever come close to Jordan's in production, popularity, or profitability. By the time the Air Jordan line was approaching peak power in the 1990s, the rest of the basketball and sneaker world was catching wind of the potential profits from signature sneakers, and there was a mad scramble from athletes and sneaker companies to get a slice of the pie and try to replicate even a modicum of the success Michael Jordan had experienced with his line of Nike sneakers. A handful of those signature sneakers have found significant success, both when they were released originally, and decades after, being re-released as retros. And here I'm thinking Anthony Hardaway's Penny Sneakers with Nike, Allen Iverson's Questions with Reebok, Sean Kemp's Reebok Kamikaze line, and even Patrick Ewing's sneaker line, and Grant Hill's signature Fila shoes were even a hit. But we're here today to talk about the ones that didn't make a splash, will never have a re-release, and in some instances leave you thinking, Okay, how did that happen? Basically, we're going to cover some of the signature sneakers that were doomed to fail and were pretty much the opposite of Jordan's signature sneakers in every way. So here's to the top or bottom 10 forgotten derelicts and or uggos in signature sneaker history. Derelict! It is a fashion, a way of life inspired by the very homeless, the vagrants, the the crack whores that make this wonderful city so unique. And I want you, Derek, to be the face, the image, they, the spirit of their league. Welcome to the Immortal Souls Podcast, where we explore the history, stories, myths, legends, and hype that make shoes what they are today. We are Jared and Nick, two brothers with a passion for shoes. We are excited to have you along for the journey.
As we go through these shoes, remember that many players get endorsement deals, but not necessarily a signature shoe. Endorsement deals without the signature line often provides players with a steady supply of sneakers, often in custom colors, while the player provides visibility and brand awareness for the sneaker brand. All of the shoes we are going to cover today were signature shoes that were created, produced in mass, and marketed with the hope and expectation of making a profit, banking on the star power of the player to make that happen. And as always, these are in no particular order. All right, let's get to it. Number 10, the Xanthus X-Pro. NBA tough guy, X-Man Xavier McDaniel, and a sneaker company whose name began with the letter X were obviously a match made in heaven. And indeed, they produced signature shoes together, beginning with the X-Pro. Not exactly the most technologically advanced sneaker, even by 1992 standards, the Air Force One-like X-Pro was still pretty cool, featuring big X's and a strapped high cut. All in all, they make for a nice little obscure piece of sneaker history, and being the signature model of a guy who shaved his eyebrows to look more intimidating, was known to assert his dominance by walking around the locker room in a state of full tumescence and tried to strangle a guy at least once on the court. These shoes have a certain vibe to them, although it can't be said they were a commercial success. Number 9. The ITZ Bobby Hurley Signature Shoe If there's only one sneaker, or even sneaker brand for that matter, that you've never heard of on this list, I'm betting it's this one. Short-lived brand ITZ, which stands for In The Zone, signed a deal with a young Bobby Hurley after his successful college career at Duke. Freshly drafted to the NBA, In The Zone promptly hooked Hurley up with a signature shoe. Unfortunately, Hurley suffered a serious car accident early in his career, and although he bounced back, he never returned to the skill level he was at before the tragic accident. It's probably safe to say the former Duke guard is the only player with a signature shoe to average fewer than four points per game in the NBA. As for ITZ, we're not sure if anybody knows exactly where they came from or when they eventually faded away. But suffice it to say, these are about as obscure as a signature basketball shoe can get. Number 8. Nautica Glen Rice, 1997 When I was little, they called me Slim. I'd go to the schoolyard and practice till it got dark. And then I'd keep practicing. So I can make these shots with my eyes closed. Or 20,000 fans riding me. I knew I could be great. I knew I could be the best. It wasn't just a dream. Fresh off the heels of his signature shoe with Warner Brothers, and shortly after winning Most Valuable Player at the 1997 All-Star Game, Glenn Rice put out a shoe with Nautica the favorite clothing line of seafaring dads and preppy teen movie villains. Yep, that's right. Even Nautica, best known for slacks and Oxford shirts, got into the basketball sneaker market in the 90s. The result was one of the most random and obscure signature hoops shoes ever, 
which didn't make any waves, even with full-blown marketing campaigns. Number seven. Speaking of Warner Brothers shoe endorsements, let's not forget Bryant Big Country Reeves, the expansion franchise Vancouver Grizzlies' first ever pick out of Oklahoma State University. On paper, a signature shoe for a seven-foot-tall center nicknamed Big Country that plays in Vancouver, licensed by a company best known for their cartoons, might seem like the worst idea ever. And as signature shoes go, that might be the case. They look like they were the product of a let's keep this to 90 minutes or less design competition. The shoe itself looked like the biggest, widest version of the kicks one finds in the wire bin at the back of your local discount store. The kind you might buy because you need something to wear that you don't mind getting dirty while you're doing yard work. That said, I will say, in today's sneaker climate, I have a suspicion that Big Country's kicks are so bad, they're almost good. And if they released a retro on these, there would probably be a market for them. Number six, the Carl Connie John Wallace shoe. Moving on to yet another unlikely signature basketball shoe, we now take a look at New York Nick John Wallace's Carl Connie signatures from 1997. Really? Nothing about these makes sense. John Wallace wasn't even a star player. He had the quiet career you would expect from a number 18 draft pick. Also, nobody was expecting or even asking urban fashion label Carl Connie to make a performance hoop shoe. Chalk it up to just another one of those weird and amazing things that could only happen in the 90s. Apparently, clothing and sneaker brands were just handing out endorsement deals to just about anyone who showed up to the NBA draft. Number 5. Converse No Limit MP for Master P. Only those that are bout it bout it remember this shoe from Master P and Converse. In the late 90s, Master P, aka Percy Miller, joined the Charlotte Hornets for the 98-99 season at the age of 31 and the Toronto Raptors during the 99 preseason. Now get this. He was never actually on a roster for an NBA team, but Converse gave him his own signature basketball sneaker. By the late 90s, early 2000s standards, the sneakers weren't terrible. They had a clean-looking silhouette with classy color blocking and very nice quality leather uppers. The camel print bubble in the heel gave it a unique touch. Master P might go down as the only rapper turned temporary NBA-ish basketball player to get his own signature shoe. Number four, the Adidas Real Deal. Now, you may have heard of the Adidas Real Deal since it did hit the market as one of Adidas' most popular retro models in the past few years. What you may not have known was it's actually the debut signature shoe of the once shimmying sharpshooter, but later bankrupt Antoine Walker. Before Walker became known for jacking up threes like there was no tomorrow, and for his financial woes, he was the face of the Boston Celtics franchise prior to the arrival of Paul Pierce. Not that that was a bad thing, because Walker was a ridiculously talented hybrid forward who had deft handles and a post-game that was savant-like. That's why he had such a love-hate relationship with Boston fans. Everybody knew he could play a ground-and-pound game with the best of them, but he kept drifting further and further away from the post as the years moved along. Anyways, you could make a case that Walker did deserve a signature shoe earlier in his career, but be that as it may, 
Most forget that the Adidas Real Deal was in fact originally a signature shoe for Walker, making it a forgotten, obscure chapter in the annals of signature shoe history. Number 3. Nike Zoom T-Bug In 1998, Miami Heat star point guard and killer crossover aficionado Tim Hardaway had his one and only signature sneaker with Nike, the Zoom T-Bug. Similar to Gary Payton's Zoom flight glove but without the shroud, the T-Bug also utilized the monkey paw ankle support and Zoom air cushioning. The T-Bug remains one of the most obscure Nike signature hoops shoes, but there are still plenty of collectors that would love to see it return. Like Antoine Walker, Tim Hardaway was arguably justified in having a signature sneaker, but his one and only remains highly obscure, rare, and relatively unknown, giving it a well-earned spot on our list. Number 2. Fila Weber Although it's highly regarded as a classic 1990s Nike hoop shoe, Chris Webber was one and done with the swoosh after the Air Max CW. I loved and I still love the Air Max CW, that logo that doubles as a ball going into a net and Chris Webber's initials CW will forever be a top sneaker logo to me but he was rumored to leave Nike after they wouldn't produce a cheaper signature shoe that kids could actually afford. So C-Web left and ended up at Fila, where his 1998 signature shoe was produced. He didn't last long at Fila either, though, and eventually wound up with Dada, who released the iconic chromed-out C-dubs. Weber's Fila shoe makes the cut on our list because most who are casually familiar with basketball sneakers know about Weber's chapters with Nike and Dada, but many fewer are familiar with his brief stint with Fila, especially as most associate Grant Hill with Fila's signature basketball shoe efforts. And that brings us to number one, the Dada Sprewell Spinners. Okay, so Latrell Sprewell's notorious Dada signature shoes, complete with built-in spinner rims, aren't actually that obscure. Everybody knows about them, but we just couldn't help including them in this feature. Dada, who had a brief yet serious run in pro hoops in the early 2000s, had to be on here somewhere, and we could have picked Chris Webber's C-dubs, but these are just so much more interesting. They are iconic, and though there were others more deserving of a signature shoe, Spree was no scrub with four all-star selections and an all-NBA first-team selection to his name. Still, all things considered, the jury is still out, or maybe not so much, on whether or not these spinner shoes should have been made. Either way, they are definitely deserving of a spot on our list of obscure and unwarranted signature sneakers. There's also a couple of honorable mentions here. And the first honorable mention for this list is the Nike Air Alonzo. Although Alonzo Mourning had been with Nike ever since he entered the NBA as the star center for the beloved Charlotte Hornets, he never received a signature shoe until 1997 after signing with the Miami Heat. One can only imagine what cool signature sneakers Mourning could have had in the Hornets' teal and purple colorways. The Air Alonzo was a less-than-impressive, boot-like signature shoe, and was never a hit at retail. 
But at least Zoe liked them. He continued to wear them long after general production ceased. And another honorable mention, who could forget all of Carl Malone's shoes? Carl Malone donned many brands over his career, including Converse, LA Gear, and Apex. At this point, his name is synonymous with non-conventional signature sneakers, and in a way, could be considered a pioneer of teaming up with underdog sneaker brands for his sneaker partnerships. Never one for glitz and glamour, Malone's rugged personality and game did not make him a poster boy for high fashion kicks. With that said, Malone did have some classic sneakers, most notably the LA Gear Catapult, which unlike his Apex sneakers were actually sold in retail. And they weren't terrible to look at, but they did not light up, which is a problem since they were LA Gears, after all. So, there you have it. Hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we did making it. What about the Starburst? 